Wildcats to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Men's Hoop Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we've got the Signpost's own Simon Mortensen. Simon, how you doing? Doing good, Colby. How about you? Oh, dude, uh, good times here in Nashville. You know, a little bit rainy, but overall, we had a good weekend. So uh, next, on, next on the show, we have uh, Dan Hubler back from a couple of games this week. You know, been hanging out in the Purple Palace. That's right. My voice just got better today. Uh, did a lot of screaming on Saturday, getting all ready for the next home game as well. So, yep. One more left. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show. And we look at our calendar of upcoming games. Got the birds coming to the palace. So that'll be a big one. Make sure you get up there. But uh, on today's show, we have a player interview. We'll be welcoming freshman center Alex Chu. He's going to talk to us a little bit about his journey from Cheshire, England, all the way here to Ogden, Utah. Uh, then we'll be doing a game recap, uh, talking about the games last week against Sac State and Northern Colorado. And then finally, we'll wrap up the show by playing a little game called Buy or Sell. I've prepared some situations for our panel here today, and we're going to see if they'd buy or sell on those. So stick around for that. But first, before we get into all that, we want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing to Weber State Weekly, and that way you get all of the latest content directly into your feed and into your ears. Uh, if you would also... If you're on any of those platforms, please consider rating the Wildcats five stars, whatever it takes. Wait, we rate Weber State Weekly, and uh, hopefully we find our way into the ears of more Wildcat fans, wherever they may be. We're also on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Twitter, one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. Uh, We've been doing Twitter spaces for road games, so there will be a couple of those coming up this week as the Wildcats hit the road to Portland State and Northern Arizona. So watch for those on Twitter. And then finally, we have a Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Choose to become a patron and support us. We've got a lot of recruiting content up there right now. If you're interested in talking or listening to some interviews that we've done with some of the recruits thus far, and there are more to come, uh, you got to become a patron. So go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly to do it. And then finally, we want to shout out our sponsor for today's show. We have Studio 98. If you're looking for a ring that isn't just run of the mill, check out Studio 98. They're a local jeweler run by a fellow wildcat and a former football player who loves the purple and white just as much as you and I do. So check out their website, studio98.com. That's studio, N-I-N-E-8, the number eight, .com to behold their beautiful rings. And be sure to check out that Flying W special. It's a beauty. So check it out. Appreciate Studio 98 for sponsoring the show. All right, fellas, uh, that's all the stuff. So now let's get into the meat of the show. Let's uh, let's bring in freshman center Alex Chu. Alex, want to thank you, man, for taking some time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Really appreciate you. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so just going to start off a little bit about your journey, man. I mean, originally from Cheshire, England, like we said at the top, uh, but then decided to play high school basketball in Pomona, California. So talk to us a little bit about that, man. I mean, uh, there have been a number of international players now coming to Weber State. Um it's, it's becoming a lot more common. And so uh, talk to us a little bit about your journey, man. I mean, you, like we said, leaving the UK, handing up into California and then uh, playing high school. Like how did, how did that get on your radar and talk to us about, you know, your kind of your progression as uh, as a high school player in California. Yeah. So um, I started playing basketball mainly when I was about uh, probably late 15, start early 16. So I played like a local league for a local league team in England, um, played there for like a year. And then I went to, um, well, we call it college, but it's, it's high school in, in America. So we, I went to a, a school called South Cheshire College where I played for like a year. Wasn't like really trying with basketball or anything like that. It wasn't even my main, my main sport. I was playing soccer actually, that was my main sport. So and I think I, when I was about 17, I went to um, Stoke-on-Trent College 
where um, my brother used to play. And I went there because the, um, the coach used to play for the Clippers. Uh, his name is Sean Jameson. Um, he also played for the, um, the Globetrotters. So I knew that I would, and he was a big himself. He was 6'10", 6'9". He was a big himself. So I knew I would definitely, if that was where I was going to go, there's not many places like that in England, definitely. So I knew that was probably definitely for me. So I went there, played there for like two, probably I think two seasons. Played there for two two years. Um, and then graduated high school. And then because he was from the LA area around the Pomona, Chino, Chino area, he knew my, um, a guy called Eric Cooper, who was my prep, my postgrad prep coach. So I think in my last season in England, I went and played in a tournament in Belgium where I went over and played for the prep team. Just, it was like a Christmas tournament. It was a good tournament. So I played there and then he was like, um, yeah, we want you to come play for us next year. So the following season, I went and played postgrad prep with Cooper Academy in Chino, California. So I played there from October till April and then played in numerous tournaments, played in the Pet Six, uh, was MVP of that league and then just was on the D1 radar and started speaking to D1 coaches and stuff like that. So that was really my journey. But in terms of basketball, I've only really been trying properly with the sport and focused on that sport really for three, four years now. So yeah, come a long way, but yeah, yeah, definitely further to go. I mean, but I mean, uh, I, I think it speaks a lot, like you said, to your talent level. I mean, winning, winning a league like that in California where, you know, a lot of guys have been playing, they've been playing AAU since they were five, maybe, maybe younger, you know what I mean? To come in and say, okay, I can make an impact. And of course, you know, can't teach six eleven, so that helps too. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, like you said, man. I mean, through that process, you had the opportunity to kind of play in a lot of different places. Played in Belgium, mm-hmm. you know. Played, you know, like you said, high school slash college, uh, as it were, in the UK, and then of course in California. Like you're on the D one radar. How did you get on Weber State's radar, man? I mean, and then what's the ultimate decision to say, you know what, of all the places I could go, I want to go to Ogden, Utah, and I want to be a Wildcat. Hmm. Um, well, actually, we we just finished the season in uh, in California, and I was on my flight to go back to um, to um, to go back to England when my prep coach messaged me saying that you're going to get a call from Weber State. Another coach wants to speak to you. So it was actually when I was flying home later on in the season that I actually got the call from Weber State, and then. Um, uh, it's just obviously the Damien Lillard is a big is a big thing for playing at the school. It's a big attraction. Uh, the arena is is amazing. I couldn't I couldn't come for a visit because of COVID reasons, and it was I was already on my way home. But I knew like with the facilities that this school has and the attraction points like Damien Lillard and the arena and things like that and the fans, then I knew it would definitely be a good place for me to develop. And come and play so that was probably the, the main reasons that I came here and I had a good relationship with the coaches that uh, a lot of for me a lot of my um my choice on picking schools was with my relationship with the coaches I was speaking to coach Daniels for a long time and um, so yeah that was another reason why I picked Weber State yeah, I mean, um, I think that we've talked a lot about the fans this season about how the gym is big, right? Uh, yeah. So sometimes, you know, you've played in you played most of the Big Sky conferences arenas now at this point in the season. Uh, you've seen yeah. kind of the the ups and downs of kind of 
how some folks do it. You've been in that nice Idaho arena now. That's a, that's a fancy facility. That's brand new. It is nice. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the challenges that, that folks face here in Ogden is the fact that, you know, there are a lot of fans that actually show up, you know, the numbers are good. Yeah. lead the conference in attendance, but the gym is just so big that it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. anybody's there at times. Cause it's like, you know, it holds, you know, 9,000 plus. And, you know, you go to some, some arenas and they're, they're ready to hold four. And it's like, we could, we could put yeah. four in a gym at any time. Right. I mean, for me, I'm grateful playing in front of however many people, because obviously playing in England, we didn't, there's no, like, there's not no such thing as fans in like, in like a youth level of basketball over there. It's, it's people's parents. And that's pretty much it. You might get eight or 10 people at a game. And then uh, in prep school, it was COVID, so we weren't allowed anyone to watch the games. So for me, I've never actually played in front of fans. So when I came to Weber State and I played the first game, I was like, I was certain that I was happier. And playing in front of fans is just something that I'll always be grateful for, no matter how many people are there, whether it's packed out or anything like that. So for me, I'm always going to be grateful for how many people are there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we'd love for more folks to show up. <laughs> so we'll keep we'll keep harassing Wildcat fans about that. But Simon or Dan, questions for our uh, freshman center, Alex, too. Yeah, one question I had for you. You mentioned that, you know, you've you've taken a few trips back home to visit family uh, in the UK, in, in England. Um, with uh, your family over there across the pond, have they been able to watch uh, some of the games with streaming options? And, and I don't even know what time of day that is that they'd be watching you. So um, they they do watch. My parents are very like they're, they're dedicated of watching the games. They're very supportive of me and my brother as well. So um, they they've got the ESPN Plus subscription and they stay up till like I think it's probably two three a.m. I think games are for them. So it's early morning hours, but they will definitely watch. And if not, they'll go back in the mornings and watch the games again. So yeah, they definitely watch the games. Fantastic. And I hope there's an opportunity if they haven't already that where they'll get to uh, come out and uh, see you uh, live yeah. and in person at the Purple Palace. That would be a treat. So. Uh, that'd be amazing. I hope so. Simon, what about you, man? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things that I've kind of noticed, um, it was actually my editor, uh, Emily, she noticed this, that there are like five other um, like big men, like British big men in the big sky. Um, have you kind of had any interactions with them or like talk with them um, a little bit about England or anything like that? I think there's actually, I think there's seven of us, which I didn't actually know until I signed for Weber. And I know a couple of them. Uh, I know Theo, Theo Hughes from Northern Colorado. We played at a camp together over the summer. Same with Ethan Price from Eastern Washington. Um, and then great to go play as well. He's, but he's a lot, he's a bit younger. So, um, and, and the two from Sac State, I, I didn't really know who they were, but um, but yeah, we everyone from England pretty much knows each other, so it's, it's it's quite competitive. It's a small place, and if if you haven't played with each other, you've definitely played against each other. Whether that's at uh, like for me, it was at Den Camp, uh, Luol Luol Deng hosts a camp in the summer in England where top fifty just go and compete, where you get ranked in the top twenty. And pretty much everyone that was in the big sky, like UK wise, is is um is, is is been to that camp. So yeah, we all pretty much know each other and we and sometimes we speak after the games. Yeah, we definitely know each other. Yes. Yeah, I imagine that's exactly how it would be, like you said, right? A, a sport like basketball in a place like the UK, it does not exactly not exactly the popularity of other sports like football or rugby, right? And so 
uh, the community is pretty tight. And so yeah. you, know, you, you probably have seen each other and, you know, now everybody's got D one offers and conveniently you all have to play in the same conference. Um, mm-hmm. but like you said, it, it's pretty, it gets pretty small. Everybody kind of knows everybody at that level. Exactly. Yeah. So Alex, I want to talk a little bit about, um, about your role in the team. I mean, like we said, freshman center, uh, I've had, um, once Dante Bassett kind of got back up to steam, you know, you had some opportunities to start early in the season, but yeah. Dante Bassett has kind of taken on that starter role and you've had the opportunity to back him up and, you know, play, play behind him as a, as a, as a seasoned veteran who's played now at Florida and, and at Weber state. Um, talk to us a little bit about that relationship, man. How has it been backing him up? What have you been able to learn from him and kind of glean from your time, uh, being with him? Cause this will be his last season. Yeah. Um, me and Dante have quite a strong relationship off the court and on the court, really. We talk a lot. Uh, we play games together. We're, we're always talking pretty much. And when we play against each other in practice, he's always giving me tips and trying to coach me whilst like, you just like need to be like more active here or talk louder or certain things. He's always talking to me. So uh, for me, when I was when I was getting recruited, and I saw that Weber State did have a lot of senior bigs and stuff like that. I think a lot of players would have been put off by like, as a freshman, it's going to be hard to get minutes with that many senior bigs. But for me, I looked at it as more of a, they're all seniors. I'm a freshman. I can come and I can learn from them straight away. And then, and then I can get developed from there. So it's, it's like, definitely Dante has been sort of like a mentor for me, really. Same with Cody Carlson when he was here as well. We spoke a lot. So yeah, we, we have a good relationship. We talk a lot and he's definitely a great teammate to have. Yeah. Dan or Simon, any, another question for Alex? Chu? Yeah. One of the follow-up questions with this, you'd mentioned that you've been really serious a student of basketball for the last three to four years and so that Mm. implies quite the sharp learning curve as you've gone what is the one thing that you probably didn't realize that you're like oh my goodness this is the biggest thing that i've learned over the last few years um it's a hard question um i think a lot of it was just um footwork and post in playing the post a lot um in prep i learned a lot there especially this year i've learned a lot defensively as well i think my main role in the team is is being defensive i think i'm definitely a defensive player um so i think this year i've learned a lot defensively last year i learned a lot offensively with footwork in the post my jump shot because my prep coach was a was a shooter so he helped me a lot with my jump shot which hasn't always been my strongest point but um, yeah, I think just he always, my prep, my prep coach in general always used to tell me, he had uh, one phrase where he would always say, be a sponge. That was his main thing. He would always tell me, be a sponge. He would always say, every time a coach tells you something, absorb it in, just retain the information. Um, so that's always something I tried focusing on when a coach tells me something new, because I learn stuff every every day. Every time I go to practice now, I'm learning stuff every single day, whether that's positioning wise, form, any, anything. I learn stuff every day. So I always go by that phrase of be a sponge, absorb everything, learn something new every day. So that's definitely helped me. Sure. Um, Alex, I want to talk a little bit about the, the past couple of weeks. It's been a little bit, a little bit rough. Uh, Wildcats have now lost four of the last six um, after a really, really hot start there, uh, beating a lot of the top teams in the conference. Uh, but hit a little bit of a skid. And so we now have just three games remaining in the schedule. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the team's mentality and kind of how you guys have been able to kind of 
get through some of those heartbreaks. I mean, because they've been heartbreaks, right? Like we're not talking yeah. about like blowout losses, like close, close losses here, uh, except for maybe the Montana State game. And so talk to us a little bit about kind of where the team's at mentally and how you guys are getting prepared for the trip to Boise, which would be coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Um, we're practicing harder, harder every single day. I think the main thing for us is competing every single time we come to practice. We just want to compete, just clear our minds, just play basketball, just compete every single time. That's the main thing. But as like a team morale sort of thing, everyone's together. There's there's no like separations, anything like that. The whole team's together. Um, the relationship between everyone's, everyone pushes each other. Everyone's positive. Um, and then when we when we have lost a game, we can't really sit there and dwell on the loss for days because it's just going to come back to the next game. We just have to look forward to the next game and make sure we prepare properly and the best we possibly can for that next game. So looking at Boise in the last three games, we're just making sure that every time we go to practice, we're locking in on personnel, on what they're running, that sort of thing. So... Everyone's definitely locking in, that sort of thing. So, yeah, the, the team is, is, is definitely together, but there's a few things we need to fix. But, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get there. So we're just going to look forward to the next games. That's the way we have to think. Yeah, and I'd say that, you know, for you guys, obviously, you know, the last, you know, four, you know, six games have not gone exactly the way that you had hoped, especially after that really, really hot streak. But, um Overall, it seems like the team kind of learns. And I think that having the veteran leadership on the team kind of really makes a difference. Folks like Kobe and JJ yeah. and having Dante Bassett there to kind of, like you said, work with you really closely. I think that those are going to pay mm -hmm. dividends if even if things don't quite work out the, the way that, you know, they had hoped this year. I mean, aside from those guys, I mean, there's a there's a pretty young core here in this team. And so I think yeah. that, you know, the hope is that, you know, that that wisdom that comes from those transfer guys kind of, you know, instills in. You know, so the younger guys like yourself and DJ and others who are, you know, going to be here for a while are going to have a lot of opportunities. So I think that, yeah, it sucks, but overall, you know, it'll all yeah, I think we'll, we'll push past it. But yeah, like going back to the, the leadership thing, we have some great leaders on the team. Definitely for sure. Kobe McEwen, probably the best leader I've ever played for. Um, experience, always trying to help people, always giving advice. Dante, for me, is a big always talking to me all the time. JJ, experience. Um, Dylan is actually a great leader for how young he is. He's, and being a freshman, he's actually a great leader. So we have a lot of leadership on the team. So definitely when we when we do hit walls, which we struggle to get past, there's a lot of advice, especially like for me being a freshman where I've not been in situations like this before. Like when they have, it's just, it's, it's, it's good to speak to people like that, definitely. Yeah. Simon Mortensen, I'll give you the last question here with uh, Alex Chu. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite things about your game is um, that you're obviously, you play big. And one of the things that I notice is you try to dunk really early in the game. It's like one of the first moves that you try to do is get in the paint and dunk it yeah. inside. Um, is that kind of a conscious decision to show your defenders, you know, your power in the paint and just your physicality right there? I think for me, it's just... Um, although I am big, I can get off the floor. I'm quite, I'm, I'm athletic enough. And um, for me, it's if, if I'm that big and I, I can jump, it's, it's the easiest finish for me. And and it, it gives our team a boost early on as well. 
if I come down and get a big dunk and the crowd's up and cheering and the whole team has a bit of energy, then it's what we need. So definitely, I just my mentality is just every time I get the ball, dunk it. Just dunk everything. That's what all my coaches have told me. If Because if, of how big I am and how athletic I am, I can dunk everything. So might as well dunk everything. That's always been my mentality. Yeah, man. Can't blame you. Leave no doubt. <laughs> all right. Like, don't don't get cute and try and like kiss it off the glass. Like, just just put it down. Just dunk it every time. Yeah. Dunk it every time. Well, Alex, I want to thank you, man, for taking a little bit of time to chat with us here on Weaver State Weekly. I wish you guys the best of luck in the final three games of the season. Uh, you guys will be hitting the road this week, going up to Portland State for that game up in their new Viking Pavilion. It's newer. It's a couple years old. But nice it's a facility. And, yeah. then, uh, and then taking the trip, you know, actually up to Flagstaff, Arizona on Saturday. Uh, they're at 6,000 feet. So uh, you guys will be taking that trip before one more right here at home against the SEU T-Birds. So Alex, you thanks so much for taking some time to chat with Weber State Weekly. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. We'll see you. Thank you. Well, fellas, I uh, want to thank Alex Chu one more time for taking some time to chat with us. Like we said, we know the team's kind of, like he said, locked in, trying to do their best to get get practiced and get ready for the upcoming um, upcoming conference tournament plus the remainder of the series, uh, the remainder of the season. So always grateful for those guys to take just a little bit of time out of their day to chat with us and kind of let fans get to know them. Well, let's switch gears now, guys, and let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the two games that we noted there, uh, the game on Thursday night against Sac State and then, of course, the game on Saturday night against Northern Colorado. So let's start with the Sac State game, guys, because this is a game that I think that the Wildcats, they, they were ready. They wanted to win this game. They needed to win this game because at that point they were in a three-game skid. And so they said, okay, let's take care of business. And it did. Uh, and I think that the, the thing that stood out to me in this one was the defense. And, and Kobe McEwen mentioned that in his post-game remarks, and especially in the, yeah. in the piece that uh, beat writer Brett Hine put out in the Standard Examiner about how they, they just really, really defended, especially in that second half. I mean, and it paid dividends, right? I mean, looking at the box score, the Hornets only scored 15 points in that second half. That's it. In 20 minutes, they put up 15. Like, that's just that's just incredible defense. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that defensive effort, guys. Like, what did you see and what kind of had you most excited? I think they brought an energy that they had, you didn't see in the other games. Well, it's not that you didn't see them. It seems like they we're running out of gas uh, on the road with a couple of those games, but in that game, they, uh, that second half, they locked down and they shut down that offense. They, they they weren't scoring and it was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Simon, what about you, man? Would you, would you see in that defensive effort? Well, one of my favorite things about this game is that, and you know, I've talked about Dylan Jones a few times on this, uh, on the show. And one of my favorite things about this is that he pulls up a full Dennis Rodman performance right here. Dennis <laughs> points but has 13 rebounds right there um i love this so juarez some steals in it um it's just one of those things where especially um one of the key parts of defense is you know just getting the ball right back in your hands as quick as you can and that's exactly what dylan jones does and that's why four of his teammates can score over 10 points is because you know he's getting the ball to him yeah i mean that's a that's a good call out like you said um the defense was good um steals wildcats had nine in this one so just really being really, really aggressive, getting those and, you know, and it wasn't just one or two players, you know, we had, you know, Sigu had a couple, Dante had one, Kobe McCune had three, DJ had two, you know, and, and even JJ Orton had one, you know what I mean? And so it's like guys had really, really active hands and they contribute to, you know, the turnovers because 
surprisingly, Sac State had just 12 turnovers. Nine of those were, were Wildcat steals. You know what I mean? So just like, yeah. overall, Sac State took pretty good care of the ball when they weren't getting it stolen. And uh, the Wildcats ended up cashing in. They got 18 points off nine steals. So that's basically for every bucket or for every steal, they got a bucket out of it. You know what I mean? Like you can't hate that. So defensively, that effort was there. Uh, it was just, it was really incredible to kind of see them bounce back that way. But um, I want to talk about the other side offensively. Four Wildcats and double figures in this one. JJ Overton, uh, you know, leading the pack out there with uh, 17, I believe. Yep, 17 or 16 points. Sorry. Uh, really had a good game, you know, seven of nine for shooting um, from two. I mean, just really a, a great job slashing with the basket, even got a three out of him. So, I don't know, guys, like offensively, kind of what what did you see here that kind of gives you hope for the next few games? Because um, I feel like the offense has maybe kind of sputtered a little bit in the past couple of weeks, and that's what's caused some of the problems that we've seen. Um, but talk to me about the offense in this one. The way the way I'd like to frame this, what was interesting to me is watching uh, the game there in Idaho. We saw J.J. I thought. Uh, have an injury that could have gone for multiple games. And I remember walking into uh, the D event center, just nervous, just hoping that JJ was okay. And that in, when I saw him warming up, I was like, okay, this is a good sign. And then to see him bring that game, hit the three and to score what he did and also to play on defense. So, well, it was just so fun to watch. It was very rewarding because JJ is that type of player that just brings that energy that gets the rest of the team excited and motivated. And he brought that in um, the long game or the, I'm sorry, the long shot isn't usually where he's uh, uh, the best, but he goes in there and he makes those cuts and he uh, drives in there and he shoots a lot of those higher percentage shots. And he made so many in this game and it was really fun to watch him make those cuts and to score the way he did. <clears throat> sorry. Uh, yeah. Like you said, JJ, Overton, not, not normally known as a, as a, you know, a three point shooter, definitely a guy that right. wants to slash to the basket. We've talked a lot about that this season. And so uh, good to see him, you know, kind of see one go down. Cause as we know with shooters, a lot of times you just want to see, you just need to see one go down, right? If a guy's in a slump or whatever, they just, they just need a little bit. And uh, so just to kind of have, have him kind of have that bounce back game, especially like you said, Dan, at the end of, of that, that game in Idaho where he ended up hitting the knee and we were sort of worried about that. Like, Oh no. Cause he had to be helped off the court. And it was like, what does that mean? Like this could be really scary and bad, but luckily he was okay. Kind of came out of it. And so Simon, I wanted to ask you, I mean, offensively, how did you, how did you see this one? Because the Wildcats didn't exactly blow the doors off, but they did enough and they, and they, and they really got things cooking. Definitely, yeah. Um, first, apologize because I was looking at the wrong stat sheet the last time. Um, the scores were similar, and some of the stats were. So I was like, "Oh, this is the this is the previous game." Um, but one of the things that I really liked is um, McEwen comes back in the three point position uh, re- really heavily. You know, going, um, you know, he, he kind of it was kind of more in the um, Northern Colorado game that you kind of see in this block. But um, one of the things that I like about that is um, he's just starting to come back up um when you go on a little bit of a losing streak especially with him he gets a little bit streaky and when the wildcats get hot he gets hot as well so that's one of the things that i really liked about this weekend especially was that he was starting to get a little bit more um his shot selection was a little bit better he was starting to shoot a little bit better become a little bit more confident be like that kobe McEwen that we know and that we love and that we see dominate the court so 
Yeah, I mean, because I, I think back to the non-conference schedule. I mean, there were games where that guy just shot the lights out of three. Like I went to the Utah State game. And I mean, obviously, like the three was one of the things that really made it difficult for the Wildcats to make any ground once they got down uh, because they just, you know, U- Utah State just had a crazy shooting night. You know, it was just like they were hitting insane shots. But McEwen was there to kind of answer right with his own to kind of keep the Wildcats afloat. And um, it, uh, like you said, I think maybe a little bit of a slump for, for Kobe hasn't hasn't quite shot the ball that well in the past few. But I mean. Good to see him kind of get that confidence back. And, and this one ended up just going one of four from from three. But um, overall, I mean, it's it's good to kind of see some things kind of get moving again. Because if if the Wildcats are going to be competitive in the conference tournament, uh, and and if he's on, look out because if he's hitting threes, and he, you know we know he can get to the line, we know he can get his shot inside. We've seen it a million times this season. Um, they're going to be in really good shape. So guys, let's talk now. Uh, so Wildcats win that one. Um, I don't think it was ever really in doubt. Wildcats win 50 to uh, 65, 50 over, over Sac state Sac state uh, really kind of struggling this season. And so it's like, well, that's just, that's just what it is. You know, you gotta beat you gotta beat the opponents that you're supposed to, which the Wildcats have done a good job. I mean, Sac state, just, just two wins in conference play. You know, they're, they're having a little bit of a down year. They've, they've got some nice pieces, you know, in guys like Bryce Fowler and, um, and um, Jonathan Comagum, that guy was really, really good for them, but they've got, they've got some ways to go. And so, got to take care of this game and the Wildcats did. Uh, but now let's talk about this Northern Colorado game because this is uh, this was a, a big matchup. Uh, we know that Northern Colorado is a good team. I think when the Wildcats went to Greeley and ended up winning that game with the performance that they had in the second half, you know, I think Northern Colorado was stunned. Um, Northern Colorado, not necessarily a team like Montana State right now. is just going to absolutely blow the doors off of everyone, but a dangerous team that can beat you. And unfortunately, they did. They beat the Wildcats in overtime in this one, 83 to 79. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, Let's talk about kind of, um, I don't know. Let's 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 talk about why I think the second half is really the the secret to this one yeah. because the Wildcats were comfortably ahead, not like not like double digits ahead at, at the half, but like okay, they had done enough to kind of you know sep- make make some separation, and uh, things just didn't go quite that way in the second half. I don't know, guys. Like, what was it about the Bears that made them so successful in the second half against the Wildcats to push it to overtime? Um, I think one of the things is especially looking at the second half is um, we've noticed we talked about it on the last show, like Weber State's bench is one of those things that just needs to pick up. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that they didn't do. I don't I don't think like, you know, the Wildcats necessarily took their foot off the gas in this game very much. Um, I think they're playing really hard the entire time. Problem is they just got tired. And it's one of those things like um, Northern Colorado had a little bit of a deeper bench. They were able to use some of those players a little bit more. And it was one of those things like you got the set tired. You got, um, I think it was, was it Overton that fouled out? Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it was one of those things like it came down to who was able to endure a little bit more. And unfortunately we were just got tired out. No, Dan, what, what, what's your take here? Two things. Um, I'm still frustrated about, uh, Overton fouling out. I, I don't think, yeah. um, he should have fouled out, uh, but that's my opinion on, other things. The, I, won't, I won't dwell on that, but it did frustrate me that uh, he just brings an energy and, and we needed that in the uh, second half and we definitely needed it in overtime and it just not seeing him on the court really. Well, and it's critical to the game, right? Because Overton yeah. fouls out on an it's offensive a foul on the baseline game. after knocking down a jumper. Right. And so right. he, he gets, he gets the bucket to go up 
and right there with just seconds left. Right. And, and <sighs> so like, that's, that's the big difference because, because the thing is this, wow. if, if Northern Colorado gets the three that they got to push it to overtime, it doesn't matter because the Wildcats wouldn't matter four at that point. Right. Exactly. And yeah. So, or so there's that. Up five. And so it's just like, ah, you know, and so not only does the, does the guy foul out, but they take yeah. a bucket away because of it. And so it's just, it's kind of, and then, you know, everybody sees the replay and it's like, yeah. what? That's, that's not an offensive foul. Like, what is that? And so it's just it, one of those critical junctures in the game that just absolutely flipped everything yeah. and pushing it over time. So I agree with you. Like, and it's bad. He wasn't, he had to be taken out a lot in the second half because of foul trouble as well. And so we didn't see him as much as I think we needed him in that second half. The other issue in the first game against Northern Colorado we tested out a lot of small ball where uh, we didn't have a center in there and uh, we shot, shot the lights out and we're able to really put a lot of points on Northern Colorado. Now we shot really well in this game, but the key I saw that was different in this game was that we struggled to defend inside uh, when we played small ball. And so there was the two things I missed having JJ Overton there in the second half and especially in overtime. Uh, But the other thing that I think we struggled with was the small ball. We weren't playing the defense like we were uh, against, or maybe Northern Colorado saw that we played small ball there in Greeley and they made some adjustments and said, okay, when they play small ball, this is what's open. We're going to have to try it. They made adjustments on, on our, um, whenever we had uh, smaller players on the court and it seemed to work for them. Yeah, I don't know, Simon. What do you think about that second half, man? Yeah, I think you're completely right. Like the Overton call, like I was watching that, and you know they kind of they kind of were thinking, oh well, we give him the point, but he's going to get that offensive foul right there. Um, and then it turned out that it was reversed, everything like that. Like that was kind of a killer thing that um, just wound up beating us out. Um, one of the things that's really hard about this too is seeing. Um, just Weber State's three-point defense kind of go down because that's one of the things is the only reason they that you know Northern Colorado really got back in this game was because of what they were doing from the three. Um, they were just scoring so much so quickly, um, and we set, kind of see that with uh, Cuxon and everything like that. They were just like starting to really get on fire from there. Um, so that was kind of, what was kind of frustrating about it was, you know, we, we've lost so many games because of the three like big, tough games. And that was just another one to throw in there. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, man. And I would say like critical threes, right? Because it's not like, it's not like the bears hit a ton. Like they hit nine threes in this game, which you can say, Oh, that's a lot Colby. And it's like, I mean, yeah, it can be, but you got to know that drew Cuxhausen, the guy's a sharpshooter, right? He's got one of the best shoot for three point percentages in the league. And so it's like, you got to know that. Um, and so you're right in the second half, they shoot seven of 14, they shoot 50%. Um, if, if that number, you know, even if you get a hand in somebody's face and make them miss just one of those, it's, it's, that's it, right? Like Wildcats win and everybody gets to go home and we're not talking about this right now, but we are. And so I think that the Cuxhausen thing mixed with uh, Matt Johnson, absolutely having a game, you know, he scores 25 points on 11 of 16 shooting two of three from uh, three point land. I mean, the guy just had an, an insane game. And it's crazy because you wouldn't think that you would have thought that Dalen Counts was going to be the guy, right? Like leads the conference in scoring. He actually had 12 points. So, so I think what ends up happening here is that the Wildcats actually schemed really well for Counts, right? I think they so knew, too, yeah. 
Uh, they is it counts or coons? That's the thing I need to understand. It was coons when coons, the yeah. were saying it. Yeah, yeah. So like, so coons, we we know that he can fill it up, right? Like you look at the numbers, and it's like, yeah, of course, this guy can score. He's leading the conference in scoring. He's really good. And so I think that you know the coaching staff knew that, and they did a good job of taking coons out of the game. But the problem is, Matt Johnson and Drew Cuxhausen, they answer the bell and they say, you know, make make somebody else beat us. Well, unfortunately, somebody else beat us. And so, like, that's what it boils down to. Because, like, I mean, let's be honest, guys, going into this game, were you worried about Matt Johnson putting 25 up on you? No. In fact, I I, no. told, I was telling my family when we were sitting there, I was like, you see this play right here looking at Koontz. I was like, he's the leading scorer in the big sky. He's one that we're going to have to watch. And, and they did. They they guarded him really well. But just as you said, the other players stepped up. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the difference, right? And that and uh, Dalton Necht, uh, I think is his last name, um, just coming off the bench and killing it. You know, that was that was kind of that deep bench that I was referring to right there. Yeah. He played like he was another starter on the team, gets 13 points, you know, gets uh, five rebounds, everything like that. And so that's one of the things, too, is you got Johnson and then you got Necht right there. Um, and, you know, we tried to lock down the player a little bit too hard and unfortunately left three other guys to go out and have a pretty dominant scoring uh, night. Yeah, I mean, because like you said, he comes off the bench and he plays 34 minutes off the bench. I mean, that, those are that's a starter number just about, you know, on a lot of teams. Right. And so it's like, my goodness, he's playing 34 minutes. He's shooting 50 percent. He's two of five from three and, and he's got five rebounds uh, to go with it. You know what I mean? So it's just like this guy is just absolutely getting it done for the Bears. And, you know, if you take even just one of these performances away, the Wildcats win, right? So it's just, it's sort of um, an all things kind of clicked, I think, for the Bears in this one. That's why I'm not, if if I'm a Wildcat fan right now, I'm not crazy worried about what happened on Saturday because I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, and perhaps it's a good thing because sort of like the Montana State loss, you know, it's sort of like the Wildcats are, they're beatable. Um, they know that now. Uh, they know what they need to do to clean up. And like you said, if they can, uh, Simon, like you said, if they can clean up some of this perimeter defense, the Bears don't get back into it. And that's a big reason why the Wildcats won in the game in Greeley was because going into that game, everybody knew that the Bears were going to just absolutely fill it up from three. And in the first half, they had some success. But in the second half, they had no success but from the three-point land. And the Wildcats just absolutely turned the game on their head put their foot on the gas and never look back. Uh, this game was a little bit different, right? So last, last thing on this overtime. So like we said, the game ends up going to overtime um, and it does not go the Wildcats way at all. The Wildcats score just 14 points to 18, right? So it's close, but it's just not quite enough. I mean, guys, what was it about overtime that was such a challenge for the Wildcats and why did they come up short? I think we kind of discussed it too. Um, you can't replace JJ Overton really. He's a hard guy to replace. And he went out of the game. Um, you know, Northern Colorado knew it. Weber State knew it. Like they were, they had the shorthand. Um, and um, I think like, you know, it is one of those things where um, you're playing shorthanded and you've just been in the game so long. I mean, we've seen our starters just racking up minutes, um, especially Sojawar and McEwen. And at the end of the day, they're just done. Um, and especially without Overton, it just makes it so much harder. And it allows Northern Colorado to kind of run away with this one. 
Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, point. I don't think it's just one thing. Um, I was just noticing one of the players that I uh, may or may not have been yelling at the refs to watch for elbows. Uh, uh, Bodie Hume uh, for Northern Colorado. He had 15 rebounds. And what does that translate into? Well, uh, getting the ball back for Northern Colorado and a lot of second chances for Northern Colorado. And that can be extremely frustrating because I saw a lot of those second chances turn into three points. And oh, yeah, did not like that at all. Yeah, that's a, that's, I'd say that that's a weird thing, right? Because Hume is very much a big sky big, right? Yeah. I think he's very much in this mold of big sky bigs. He's a lot, he's a lot like Steel Venters at EWU. Um, there are a lot of guys like Hume in the league. And so you look at that and you say, he's got 15 rebounds. Like, how did that happen? Where's Dante Bassett? You look at Dante Bassett's numbers. Okay, Bassett plays 28 minutes. Um, you know, and it's like, well, did he, was he in foul trouble? No, he only had two no. fouls, right? And I think yeah. that this is the result of no, Northern Colorado went small. And so as a result of that, the Wildcats had to answer because they took Bassett out of the game, right? They made it right. really difficult because they had to stretch the floor now. And so it's just kind of interesting that, like you said, Hume had such huge rebounding numbers. Credit to him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, credit to him, right? Like, good job. You know, you came away with 15 boards. Nobody else even sniffed double figures, right? The next closest was Kirk Yonkuch, who was a starter and had seven, right? Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, Hume absolutely crashed the boards, and it made the difference. You know, 39 to the Wildcats, 41. Wildcats win that one. And another thing I want to point out, 17 assists in this game for the Wildcats. They did an absolutely phenomenal job sharing the ball. And even though Sigu wasn't doing uh, a, a really – he was having a, a rough shooting night. He was 3 of 12, but he had five assists. Dylan Jones had six assists. You know, the team was just doing an absolutely great job of sharing the ball. Uh, just, you know, just a little short. Just, just a little bit short. That's why I'm not terribly worried about no. this. Like, oh my gosh, like five alarm fire. The Wildcats are in trouble. They're not, right? No. They're not. It's a frustrating loss, but it isn't uh, the end of the world. It's like uh, Alex too said. You have to, you have to go forward. You know, you can't dwell on it. You have to learn from it and then move on to your next match, your next game. Yeah. But so, I'm still sad. <laughs> Yeah, I hate losing to Northern Colorado. It's obviously yeah. not the thing that I want to do. Wildcats, you know, would have been nice to have this one, especially where Montana State lost on Saturday to yeah. was it was it Idaho State? Who'd they lose to? Was it Idaho State? Montana State? No, Montana. Who lost? Yeah, no, the Montana State lost on Saturday night. Was it to Idaho? Or maybe I know it, Idaho. Or maybe it was Thursday night that they lost. Idaho. So, has been beating a lot of teams. This Idaho beat Montana, week. which was yeah, Eastern Washington too. Yeah, okay, yeah. And so there, there's sort of like this opportunity for the Wildcats to kind of get back right. into that hunt to be a top two team. Um, you know, potentially if things you know go the right way and you win all of your games, but then this this loss happens and it's just like, yeah, I think at this point for the Wildcats, it's just all about being a top five seed, making sure that you get a first round by in the conference tournament. And then just kind of seeing how things shake out. Because at this point, the Wildcats have been competitive against everybody. We've beat everybody. Nobody has swept us this season. Nobody. And so it's like, okay, you've shown that you can beat whoever, even even Montana. You've shown that you can beat them. And so you just have to kind of see how things play out in Boise. You're not going to win the regular season championship. That doesn't matter anyway. Nobody cares about the regular season championship ring. Everybody wants the conference championship ring. So it's up to to the big dance. 
It so, sure is. And that's how you, you know, your ticket. The other thing that I mentioned, I know we're, we're short on time, but the one thing that I wanted to mention is these last two games, you, you saw this team play to the end. They're, they left everything on the court. Yeah. There are games where you kind of feel like psychologically where they're just kind of telling it back. It's like, well, okay, this is going to be that. You did not see that in these last two games. Even the game when they were uh, up by 10, they did not quit. And you want to see that from your team. This is and, and I've said that even early in the season before all of these games panned out, I was like, there's something different about this team. And I see a lot of drive to always want to get better. And I saw that in the players' eyes, even as they were leaving the court Saturday. And, and it, my heart broke for them because I saw what they were going through. I saw that struggle there at the end when the, the, uh, when the game was over. But they put everything on the line and they put everything they could. They left it all on the court. And seeing that from this team is something that um, I'm always going to be proud of. Yeah, for sure. So those are the uh, those are the last two games that we saw the Wildcats uh, take on. Um, do we hit the road this week? Like we said, going to Portland State and then down to Northern Arizona. Uh, but now let's let's move to our final segment, guys, and get through this so we can wrap up the show. We're playing buy or sell. So I've got I've got four scenarios for you guys. You can just tell me whether you would buy or sell. So first one out of the gate. Wildcats win out the remainder of the regular season. It's three games left. Like we said, Portland State, Northern Arizona. And the thing that we have to understand is like right now, the Big Sky has been really, really weird because the bottom of the, of the league has been beating the top of the league. I don't know yeah. why that is. I really don't know what got into Idaho State. I don't know what's gotten into Idaho. <laughs> but like they're winning all these games all of a sudden. they've Now they beat us. They beat Montana and they beat Eastern Washington on Saturday. So uh, weird things are going on. Northern Arizona has been a tough team. You know, they took Montana to the wire up at Dahlberg. Um, so I don't know what to expect, but Wildcats will be facing them. They'll be facing Portland State, like I said, and then they'll get the final game at home against the Birds. Three games left, guys. Wildcats win. You buying or selling? I'm buying. They're going to do it. Dan's buying. Simon, I'm buying. You. You gonna yeah, buy? I got to buy that one. I think like. We got to beat the birds. Like that's, the that's birds. number one, we got to beat the birds. Um, and I think, I think we can definitely handle um, Portland state and um, the rest of our schedule really well. Um, just, I think like, this is kind of that, that one reminder that, you know, we need to, we need to win out these games. Um, and I think they're going to come in and they're going to play really well. These next three, next three games and just have another little winning streak. Cause that's what, that's what's going to get us far in the tournament is we have that little winning streak again. Um, I think it'll boost the confidence a bit. Yeah. I think for me, the secret to this set is going to be, I think that the Wildcats can beat the birds. We've shown that they can, and the birds have not looked great of late, right? Uh, they ended up losing to Northern Colorado on Monday night last week. Um, they just haven't been great, great. And the Wildcats will be on a week's rest going into that game. So good. should be, everything should be good and ready for when the birds come to the purple palace. So that game should be in hand or, and it should definitely be competitive. The Wildcats should have the advantage with it being at home. Um, I think the game that kind of has me the most nervous is that Northern Arizona game. Yeah. Gotta watch Jalen Cohn because if Cohn has a good game, the Wildcats will be in trouble. But if they're able to cue in on him, the way that they did Dalen Koontz on of Northern Colorado on Saturday and shut Cohn down, um, I don't think that Northern Arizona has the guys to beat the Wildcats and I could be wrong, but uh, it will be, I think a struggle for them if Cone isn't leading the way. So we'll see how that shakes out. Next one, fellas, Wildcats make the conference final, not saying they win necessarily, but they make it to the conference final. First time that they've done that since 2017, 
right? Lost to North, uh, North Dakota that year. It was the last time the Wildcats have been in the final. You buying or selling on the Wildcats making the final? I want that so bad. <laughs> sure. I want that too. <laughs> That's not the question though, is it? <laughs> you buying or selling? I'm going to buy. He's going to buy. Okay. Simon, what about you? You going to buy or sell on that one? Here, here's the thing. Like I, I want to buy it because I think that we have like probably the most talented team in the entire conference. You know, we're, yeah. we're up there right there with Montana. Like there's, I, I don't see barriers for us to get to that conference final other than, you know, just the, just the standard stuff that's been happening lately. I'm going to buy it because I want it to happen. I'm biased on it, but I Same. will buy it because I think we've got the talent to do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I'm at guys. Like I'll, I'll buy that because like you said, the Wildcats have proven that they can beat any team. Yep. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, how things kind of shake out. And if they get a first round buy, you're two games away from that game, right? You got to beat, you got to beat that, that team that played yesterday in Boise, and then you'll have to play somebody else. And if you can get those two games, and I think that, you know, they should be able to get that second game and then going in, you know, getting that third or the, getting that, that, you know, semifinal game, you know, like we said, could be anybody. Wildcats have proven they can do it. If they win that game, then they're in the final. And so I'm going to buy. It looks likely that they could do it. It's just a matter of how things shake out, but I'll buy. Um, next one, Kobe McEwen wins conference player of the year. Now, earlier, you know, this a couple of weeks ago, we said if the Wildcats end up winning the regular season championship, Kobe McEwen will be conference player of the year. That's obviously no longer the case. The likelihood that the Wildcats win out and somehow find their way into the first seed, the one seed is highly unlikely. Um, so what do his odds look like now? Kobe McEwen winning conference player of the year without the Wildcats winning the conference in the regular season. You buying or selling? I'm trying to think who would, who, who's better than him in the conference when it comes to the points, when it comes to the leadership. Scoring comes, looms large. So yeah. Dylan Koontz, I, I would say, is the leader right now right. for that award. But it, yeah, I, I'm still buying. So, and, okay. you know, check myself if I was to, Prick my finger right now. I'm sure purple would be coming out. Sure, fine. But yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I accept it. Simon, what about you? You buying or selling on Kobe McEwen winning conference player of the year? That's that's the exact same thing that I said was what you said right there with Dalen Koontz. Um, that is a hard, that's a hard play to beat right there. You know, yeah, you got 20 points average. That's like a great game right there. And he's averaging it um, on a consistent basis. Just like the three pointers that he's getting in, everything like that. He doesn't have like too many threes, not as much as McEwen and Coons, but I mean, Cone, sorry, but um, he, it, it's one of those ones where he he's probably going to win it. I would love to see McEwen win it. I think he's in the running, but um, I think this one goes to Coons. So Simon's going to sell on that one. Sorry, man. And uh, that's, our, that's where I think I am too. I think that I'm going to have to sell on this one as much as I wanted that. Um, just at this point, I think that the the average, the points scored are going to loom large in voters' minds. And so Koontz is going to win player of the year. Um, final one here, guys, before we wrap up the show, McEwen or Overton will win newcomer of the year. Now, that's an award that um, Isaiah Brown won last season. Um, he didn't win conference player of the year, but he did win newcomer of the year. You buying or selling on either Kobe McEwen or J.J. Overton winning newcomer of the year. I'm going to buy on McEwen or Overton winning it. Um, I think like McEwen is already in the running for that, you know, for sure. Conference player of the year. Um, definitely, definitely a, a leading figure for 
newcomer of the year for sure. I think I think they're both kind of shoe-ins for at least being contenders. And I think McEwen will definitely pull ahead in that. Yeah. For a minute, I thought you were asking me to choose between those two. I was like, no, I will not do that. But nope. you're saying it's one of those two that will win. One yes, of them will I, win. I, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so. we've, there, there have been a lot of transfers into the big sky this season. But like we noted, I mean, the Wildcats have been a very talented team. And so oh I think goodness. that that I think that I'm definitely going to buy on this one because when I, I've got two yeah. shots, two tickets to, you know, win a uh, newcomer of the year. And one of those is Kobe McEwen, who has proved his medal throughout the season. I mean, even if, you know, maybe he was having an off scoring night. I mean, he was still getting things done, playing good defense. Yeah. Like it's just to me, I think he's the front runner in the conference for that award. Um, but if for some reason he doesn't win it, his teammate JJ Overton is, you know, just as deserving um, if he doesn't. So it's got to be, I mean, a Wildcat's going to win it, period. Yeah. There, there hasn't been a, a better transfer into the conference than one of those two guys. Period. No, there hasn't. All right, guys. So that's buy or sell. Uh, let's take a look at the upcoming schedules. Like we said, only three games remain Thursday, February 24th at Portland State. That game will be at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. ESPN Plus or 103 won the wave. And then the Wildcats on Saturday, February 26th, taking the trip up to northern Arizona. Flagstaff at 6,600 feet. That game will be at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in uh, ESPN Plus or 103 won the wave. Then the final game of the season, Saturday, March 5th. So a whole week between the northern Arizona game and the SUU game. It will be the final home game of the season. We'll get the birds. This will be the last time the birds will be playing against the Wildcats in the conference. So this is it, folks. This is the last time you'll see them as a conference opponent. If the Wildcats face the birds any, any, any more, and I think that they likely will, it will be in the front of the season in November or December. Last time you'll see the birds in March in Ogden. So that'll be 6 p.m. on Saturday, March 5th, ESPN Plus or 103 or get tickets, man. They're also retiring Dick Mata's jersey. At this one, model, like yeah, legendary coach for Weber State and in the NBA. Yeah, I mean this is this is a game to be at right here. I mean if I if I had the money, I I would fly into this game because it's it's just really that important and it's always fun to beat the birds. So get That'd there, <laughs> yeah, bring bring some family, bring a sign, boo the birds, dude. You can't lose. It's great. And then uh, Wednesday, March 9th, uh, the following week, conference tournaments get started. And so should the Wildcats find their way into one of those top five seeds, they will get a first round by and they will play on Thursday. So we'll just have to kind of see how things shake out over the next week and a half. Well, really two weeks. But yeah, Wednesday, March 9th through Saturday, March 12th. Boise, get your tickets. Uh, BigSkyAndBoise.com. It's fun, man. It's a lot of fun to go to Boise. A lot of other teams, our fans are there, you know, and usually people stick around even if their team loses. And Boise's a great city, so really is. It's it's fun, man. It's a, it's a really great time. Really wish I had the money to go, but we're going we're going to Knoxville that week. So, Ooh. yeah, it's gonna be fun. All right, folks. So let's wrap up the show. Email us weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We got our Patreon. That's where all that good recruiting content is. So become a patron. You can get access to that. And then uh, eventually that content will find our way to the blog once it's stale and moldy. So that's why you should become a patron. You can get it over on, on patreon.com slash weberstateweekly now, or you can be lame and wait for me to put it on the blog, which I will do when I decide. That's the show, <laughs> fellas. Appreciate you both for taking some time to chat some men's hoops. Um, look forward to those. Um, one of those, I mean, I don't know if you guys have the time, but look forward to you hopping on one of those um, Twitter spaces we'll be doing this week with these road games. So Absolutely. see you on Twitter on maybe Thursday night or Saturday afternoon. Uh. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Lots so of fun. we'll wrap it up like we usually do, folks. We'll say it. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs>